Well, praise the Lord. Um, today is the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it, huh? We're going to be starting in John 5 this morning. John 5, verses 39 through 40. Uh, but before we get started, let me go ahead and just pray once more briefly. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time, Father. Um, we pray that you bless us, Father, that you fill us with your spirit. Lord, we, we come and we submit our hearts to you, to your word. Father, I pray that you'd give us a joyful obedience to understand and to walk in your truth, Lord. And we thank you and honor you that, Lord, you are the pastor of this church, Father God. And, and we are all just here um, to find ourselves present in your spirit. So lead us, guide us, and speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. John chapter 5, starting in verse 39. Jesus, let me give a little backdrop here. Jesus has been going through the land at this point, doing what Jesus does, teaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He has been proclaiming the truth about God. He's been healing the sick, cleansing lepers, casting out demons. And all of this, the Jewish people have watched and heard. Watched and heard. And uh, earlier in the chapter, Jesus heals someone on the Sabbath, and the Jews get very, very angry because that's against their religion. You don't, you don't do work on the Sabbath. Now, Jesus didn't, you know, bust out a chiropractor set and, like, do any, he just spoke, and this man was healed. But they were angry, and as the, the conversation continued, they even wanted to kill him because by claiming he was the Messiah, the Son of God, they knew that he was making himself equal with God. And by the way, if anybody ever wants to argue uh, that the Son of God doesn't mean he's equal to, with God, it says in chapter 5 here that that's exactly how the Jews interpreted it, and they interpreted it rightly. And so they've come to him, they're angry, now they're plotting, they want to kill him. And Jesus speaks to him in this way in verse 39. He speaks to him, he says, You search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and these are which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. And so today we're going we're gonna to spend our morning in just meditating and talking about Jesus' desire for his people to simply come to him, to come to him. So it's interesting... Um, if you want to talk about religious people, the Jews had it made, okay? They served the right God. They had the right commandments, the right scriptures. They had God's testimonies. They were the people of the Lord's prophet. They had the temple and the sacrifices. They had the law. And in outward, visible appearances, many of them were, to the best of their ability, keeping those things. In fact, there is a Jewish rabbi, um, you know, I don't know what their books are called and the different things, but there's this belief, and there's a rabbi that is quoted that this Jewish belief is that once you have the whole of the Jewish scriptures, and you understand them, and you've read them, and 
you know, you can converse in them that you have eternal life because you have God's words. You have his scriptures. And Jesus knows that this is their understanding, that this is the way they think, oh, we have the scriptures. We know the scriptures. We have eternal life. It's been given to us by God. And, you know, even as I say this, there may be some thinking, well, yeah, that that sounds right. We have the scriptures, you know, we go to church, we have, you know, we've got the right God, we do the right worship, and so we're good. But interestingly enough, Jesus highlights a problem in their religion. He highlights a problem in their worship. He highlights even a problem in their belief. And it's for this reason, I spend a lot of time when I go and I'm, and I'm teaching and preaching different places, I spend a lot of time highlighting that there's actually a difference, at least in our connotation, the way we should understand, between belief and faith. And it's the same issue Jesus is highlighting here. He says, you know, you search the scriptures because you think in them that you'll have life. But you're failing to realize all those scriptures you're, you're reading They're about me, Jesus says. They're about me, and I'm here, and you're refusing to come to me. You're refusing to come to me. And what is Jesus saying? He's saying, until you do that, you do not have life. Your searching is in vain. It's in vain. And I feel like the Lord um, has been speaking to me. me. He gave me this message Thursday. And uh, at least the idea of it, I sat down and began to read and study yesterday. Um, but I believe what the Lord was telling me is that what we need to see about the Jews is the same thing we need to see about ourselves. That there is a very real tendency, temptation, and maybe some of us are even in this time, where we get so caught up, we've got to search the scriptures right? We've got to pray. We've got to go. We've got to lead. We've got to speak. We've got to be. All of these things to get the right position, to get the right title, to have the right small group. And we fail to simply come to Jesus and to experience the life he's trying to give us. Because the pursuit of prayer is not, you know, a means to an end, for our goals. A search, searching the scripture should not be a mean to the ends for our own goals. Ministry should not be a, the means to an end for our own goals and image. All of those things should be the means to the end, which is to know and to be with Christ. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. And when we can have this understanding, then when we can know and be with Christ, he will give us the life. He is the source of life. He is the streams of living water that he says will flow through our heart when we submit to him. Jesus says, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. All of the works, all of the searching, all of the things aside from just coming to Jesus and it ends up empty. In fact, not just empty. In the Jews, the Jews were living a, a, an empty life. They, didn't have, they weren't filled with the Spirit. They weren't experiencing God personally. And here's the crazy thing. When we, if we were to look at their worship life, 
in all the aspects of their worship life, at least in the context of, of their time in the Old Testament scriptures, they weren't doing it wrong. They were doing all the right things with all the wrong heart. All the right things with all the wrong heart. And that simple thing meant they missed it. God speaks in the Old Testament around the idea of, of Saul being, becoming the king. They wanted Saul. He was tall. He was handsome. He looked like a king, right? He fit the idea of a king. But God says he does not look at man the way man sees, but God looks at the heart. And so we can do all the right things with all the wrong heart, and we will miss it. And what comes out of that is an emptiness. What comes out of that is a burden, is a burden. I, I was speaking, um, when was it? I think it was at the very beginning of the year. It was like the seventh that week, I guess the second week of January. And I went up to Bernie to meet with this guy named James George from a ministry out of San Antonio. Actually, it's, a, it's an international ministry, but he's in San Antonio. And we met at, at a Starbucks in Bernie, and we were speaking, and you know, it was so cramped that it was like, I'm sitting here, he's sitting here, and there's these girls sitting, like, right next to us. Like, we kind of have to turn sideways, because, like, we were just so close. There was nowhere to sit. And we're sitting there talking for about an hour and a half, and we're talking about the Lord and being filled with the Spirit and ministering out of the Spirit, not out of all these things and miracles and just all, the, you know, all these testimonies and all this good stuff. And here are these people, they can't not hear what we're saying, right? They can't not. And so at the end of this conversation, I'm sitting there, and I'm feeling this weird pull towards them. So he gets up and leaves, and I turn, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> you know, and I just start talking to them, and hey, you know, we've been, we've been like a little family here, and, and they're like, who is this guy? I'm like, why is he talking to me? But I start talking with them, and I ask if I can pray with them. Long story short, one girl, very obviously not interested at all. She's waiting for me to leave. The other girl um, slowly starts to open up, and this, and this, and that, and long story short, um, she wasn't going to church, she had no interest in going to church. She believed in God, yes, but what started to come out as I began to share my story with her is, you know, she had, she had done the church thing, and she had given her life to ministry, and she had been involved, and all, at the end of all these things, she felt empty and like God had not shown up for her. And she was bitter and wounded, and she left. And she said she was tired. She was tired, and she left the church. And because of that, she had no interest in going back. Now, I know something that many of you may already know, which is what had happened to her was not that God didn't show up, but she was doing a man's ministry with the Lord's name on it, not the Lord's ministry. Because when you're doing the Lord's ministry, the Lord always shows up, and he provides the strength. But what she experienced is very common to man. And I hear all the time on the radio, and I'm even uh, planning on going to a conference uh, with Pastor Mark, the EFCA conference, and one of the things that they're talking about is ministry burnout. Ministry burnout. Um, and I always get a little flustered when I hear people spending so much time talking about ministry burnout. Not because it's not a serious deal, but because if our heart is just for Jesus... He leads us to rest. He gives his beloved rest. And when we're, if our hearts are just for Jesus and we're doing what he's made us specifically to do, 
not trying to do someone else's job or what we wish we could do, but just being who he made us and letting him move through that, I could preach all day. And if the Lord is with me, I do not get tired. Okay? Now, by the time I get home, I might be ready for bed. Yeah, tired, but I don't get tired. It's not a burden to show up here on Sunday and preach. It wasn't a burden to spend however long I spent in the scriptures yesterday and to pray and to ask the Lord to speak to me. It's not, it wasn't a burden for Michael to walk across the floor and talk to the student. It wasn't something he had to do. It was an overflow of him being, spending time with Jesus and Jesus wanting to use him for his purposes. It is not burdensome. But something very real happens where we get empty, we get dry, and we get weighed down with all of these things and, and all of this work in ministry. And Jesus is standing before us and saying, why don't you just come to me? And it's like um, a man who has a high school sweetheart. And he says, sweetheart, I'm going to go to a far land, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to prepare all these things. I'm going to get you a house and a car, and we're going to get ready. And she says, okay, I love you. I'll wait. And he, and he leaves. And month after month, he's writing letters. Oh, sweetheart, I love you. My heart is for you. I can't wait to be with you. I'm making good money. And, and, and every time she writes a letter back filled with love, and at the end of every letter, she says, and here's my address. Come to me. And months go by, he's still writing. A, a year goes by, oh, I've got a car, I've got a house, you know, I'm, I'm planning on getting a house, and I'm going to do all these things for you, and we're going to have such a great life. And she writes back, yes, I love you, I'm waiting. At the end of every letter, here's my address, come to me. Another year goes by, and suddenly he stops getting letters back. But he continues writing, he continues writing. A few months more go, go by again, and he's starting to get worried. Finally, he gets a letter back. And she says, I, I need to let you know um, that I'm engaged. I'm engaged, and I'm going to have to stop writing you. And his heart's broken, and he, he writes back, and he says, well, wh what do you mean you're engaged? I, th I thought, you know, we were in love. And, and she writes him back and says, you know, you think in these letters that we have love, but you would never simply come to me so that we could be in love. Why am I going to cry? I don't even know why I'm crying now. Uh, <laughs> and the life that he was looking for and he was trying so hard to go create was useless because he would not simply go to her. And you know what? You know what I've learned about brides? Hopefully, if, I guess if they're a good bride. Brides typically don't care how big the ring is. They just want a man to drop on a knee. If he's broken, he's got a shoestring, she'll say yes and hope for a ring later. Okay? A woman, a woman may want a house and a car and these different things, but at the end of the day, if it comes between living in a big house with a husband who's never home, or a small house with a husband who's always there, she'll take the small house with the husband who's always there. Assuming she's a good wife. <laughs> Our relationship with Jesus is not much different. It's not much different. Jesus does not need your 
good works, your great deeds, your wonderful theology. And I'm not saying those aren't important. I'm not saying that those aren't necessary staples to a Christian life. But I'm saying apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. And anything you do will produce nothing. And it becomes burdensome when the relationship and the life that Jesus plans to give you is only full of joy. Turn with me to Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. You know, another aspect, as y'all are turning, of this is not just, it's not just emptiness, it's not just burden, but how in the emptiness and in the burden, burden, how were the Jews now responding to Jesus? In anger. In resentment. They wanted to kill him. Now, it doesn't sound like a big, you know, of course, yeah, you know, we, we know people wanted to kill Jesus, they crucified him. No, it's like they had been waiting for thousands of years for the Messiah to come and to save them from their sins. But, they were, but by the time he came, they were so caught up in their own life and they were so hard-hearted and refusing to come to him that when the, the son of all life, the, the, the giver of all life was right before him, they hated him. And rather than walking with him with great joy like Adam did in the garden, they hid themselves from them and they separated themselves from him in the hardness of their hearts. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. That means there's, some, there's this weight bearing down on your life. And I will give you rest. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At home church, we were reading through First Peter, or, uh, Randall was, the Curval one, and talking about the expectation of suffering that Christians have. That that's an expectation that we'll have and there was a girl named Lily there who uh, has been coming on Sunday. She's not here today for whatever reason. Um, and she made a very profound statement. She said, yes, of course, yeah, we, we're going to experience suffering and things are not always going to be good on the outside. But on the inside, Jesus gives life and peace, even through the suffering. And that's true. That's true. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And what is he saying? That, that we need to stop sharing the gospel, that we need to stop serving the poor, that we need to stop loving our brethren. No, 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 no. But there is a time for those things, and there is a time to sit at Jesus' feet and to be filled with him. And then even in the labor, 
There is a rest in your spirit. There is a rest in that anxiety going on and that constant go, 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 trying to produce that never produces, that he will take away and that he will fulfill and that he'll give a a sense of wholeness, shalom, into your heart. And as I was was driving back from San Antonio Friday and... (laughs) I've told the story twice already, so I might as well. I left one pastor meeting to go to another pastor meeting, some of my friends in San Antonio. And as I was going to the other pastor meeting, I heard the Lord say, go home. And I was like, well, that's weird. I've got a meeting. I want to meet with this guy. You know what I mean? So I just kept driving. And then I heard him say, go home again. And I'm like, you know, and I've, I've already got my GPS tracking, and I, you know, I could have got out of this lane to go this way instead of that way, and I'm debating, and I missed the turn. And so now I'm already on this road. And a third time, I hear him say, go home. And I'm thinking, like, well, you know, I'm already, already, I'm already too late now, which is not true. It wasn't too late. There's just part of me, I just wanted to go there. I wanted to do this, right? So I drive half an hour across San Antonio out of my way to get to this pastor, to get to this church, to pull up in the parking lot, to message him and say, hey, where are you at? Just to have him reply back and say, hey, I'm stuck at the VA. I won't be done for two hours. Let's reschedule. And then he said, and oh, by the way, I'm going to be in Kerrville next week anyways. Why don't I just come to you? (sighs) I'm like, okay, Lord, (laughs) I'm sorry. I know, I'm stupid, please forgive me, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, but on the way, I was thinking about the issue that I knew I probably should have just went home, and I'm not going home, and I'm like conscious that I'm doing this, and I'm also thinking about this message that the Lord has given me, and as I'm thinking about this, my, my Google GPS goes off and says, there's a speed trap ahead. And I just thought to my, and I was like, oh, okay, and then it clicked. I just, I literally laughed out loud, and I said, Lord, how fitting. Lord, I don't know if I even need to be going to this meeting. I don't know if I'm wasting my time. I really don't want to waste my time. I think I'm probably wasting my time, and I think maybe I'm just getting ahead of myself, and I probably should have just went home. And I just realized the Lord began to speak to my heart that that's what Satan does. He puts these speed traps in front of us where he puts us in this place where we feel like we have to go and we have to do and we have to produce and, and we, well, I, I got on this road and now I got to keep going. And Jesus is saying, man, the end of that road is death. The end of that road is wasted time. It's wasted life. It's pain. It's emptiness. You just need to get off now. But we get so worked up in ourselves that we get caught in these speed traps. Rather than being like Mary, As Martha was serving Jesus and the apostles, Jesus told Martha, you're worried and distracted about many things, but one thing is needed. He doesn't say many things. He says one thing is needed. And he was referring to to Mary just sitting at his feet and putting the work off until later. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are laboring, those of you who are starting to feel burdened, and let me give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, that means to be locked together with Jesus, 
this yoke, this binding together with him, it's easy. It's not burdensome. He's not going to force you into areas that are going to be harmful for you or, hard, or difficult for you. It's easy. And the burden he puts on your life will be very light because he's going to give you the joy and the fulfillment to walk in it. But he wants you to come. He wants you to bind yourself with him and to simply learn from him. Bible schools are great. Curriculums are great. Books are great. Todd White videos are sometimes great. But there is no substitution to simply learning from the voice of Jesus. So if you feel weary, if you feel burdened, and you realize you've been doing a lot (laughs) and getting caught in speed traps and not coming to Jesus, or maybe if you're here this morning and you've heard some of these things, but you've never come to Jesus, this is the day where the Lord is calling to us, back to his heart. He's calling us closer, declaring his promise that all who simply believe in the Son of God and put their faith and trust in his words will have eternal life, will be born again. And he came to give us life and life more abundant. And it's only, 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 only in the relationship, a living relationship with a living God named Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you so much for this morning, for this time. We thank you for your words, Father, that you're speaking to our hearts individually, Father. And even though there was one word given, there may be be many ways you're speaking to people, many different ways that you're, you're stirring this up in our hearts and minds, leading us to repentance, leading us to you, Father, leading us into joy. And Father, I pray that you would give us the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to submit our life, our will, our direction to you. Father, to be willing to stop dead in our tracks and to take an exit road to follow you, Lord God. So I pray, Jesus, that you would examine our hearts and reveal them to us, Lord. And then as we come to you, Father, that we would find that rest, that we would be fulfilled, not in any work or any title or anything or person, but just in you, Lord. And I just declare, as you have declared, that it's a promise that you give for everyone, everyone, everyone who comes to you, Father. So help us to love you and to be loved by you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.